we haven't had a chance to meet. Um, if you're visiting today, because I know we have some moms here and maybe you haven't been here before, my name's Mike and I'm one of the volunteers here at Mosaic and I get the opportunity to, to uh, uh, do this every once in a while and I enjoy it. I love that movie. It's one of those movies that I watch whenever I flip by it on television. I watch it again. I still laugh at the same spots every time. It's just, it's just one of those that I guess kind of speaks to me because it kind of, it's kind of fitting on Mother's Day because it's kind of like what happens when a guy tries to be a mom. If you've seen the whole movie, you see a lot of, of uh, Daniel uh, messing things up. But uh, it was kind of interesting because when, when we first were talking about the series and um, we were talking about, well, what are we going to do on Mother's Day for one of the seven deadly sins? And Bill, right away, he said, well, I think we should do greed, you know, and immediately I, I felt sorry for Bill, you know, I, I mean, I thought, man, I did not realize that you grew up in such a terrible home and, you know, I was feeling really bad about it and, and I had met his mom and I thought she was really nice, you know, and everything, but I didn't know the whole story apparently. And, and then he went on to say, well, no, really, the series is not just going to focus on the, the deadly sins, it's also going to focus on the opposite virtue of that, and, and that virtue uh, is generosity, because the opposite of greed really is generosity, and, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So, so all you moms out there, uh, just stick with me today as we honor you talking about greed, right? All right, so uh, stick with me because uh, we'll get there. All right, so um, you know, it kind of makes me nervous because, man, when you talk about greed, sometimes you get these moms that give you that, you know, dead-eye look that, like, you feel like you're about ready to get taken out to the woodshed. So just relax, stay with me, and, and we'll get there. Now, when, when you t- think about greed, who, who was it that you... Who comes to mind when you think about greed? Walmart. Customers at Walmart. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Did you say attorney? Oh, you didn't say attorney. No. <laughs> no. No. No, but right, that happens, right? Okay. CEOs, bankers, anybody else that I didn't mention? Uh Okay, let me ask you another question. How many of you have ever used that to describe yourself? You see, because that's what makes this so deadly, is that greed is easily recognizable in other people, but we rarely see it in ourselves. Rarely do we describe ourselves as, as being greedy, and, and that's really what makes it kind of a, a deadly sin. And, and when we talk about deadly sins, it isn't so much that, that these sins are, are worse than, than any others. It's just that these particular sins have a way of just really consuming our lives and turning our lives upside down if we allow them to go unchecked. And so that's why we really want to spend some time talking about it. Uh, Because here's the thing. Uh, The truth of the matter is that greed has nothing to do with the amount of the things we have. But it has everything to do with the attitude that we have and how we view them. 
All right, because the dictionary defines greed this way, an excessive desire to acquire or possess more than one needs or deserves, especially with respect to material wealth. So did you catch that definition? Because it doesn't say that, that greed means that you're rich, all right? It doesn't say that, and, and you're, you're not going to find that in the Bible either where there's that condemnation of somebody being rich, but instead it's all about this excessive desire. You see, greed starts with this small want, something that we want, and that desire begins to build and grow, and then greed happens when a want becomes a gotta have. And when it becomes a gotta have, then things change in our mind and things change in, the, in our actions and what we do because we are then willing to do whatever we have to do in order to get that thing that we want. And that's when greed really takes hold. And you have to really understand and grasp onto that truth that it's not about how much you have. It's about how you think about what you have. And that is the basis for really understanding greed when we talk about it as one of those seven deadly sins. 1 Timothy 6, 17 kind of talks about this. This is, this is Paul uh, writing to Timothy who he treated like a son. And he, he says these words. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience what? True life. You see, it doesn't say anything in there in a condemning way about people who are wealthy. And, and yet, so many times, that's what we hear drummed over and over again, is that wealth is wrong and wealth is bad. But that's exactly what it's not talk. It's, it's not talking about that at all. It says their trust should be in God. So it's about how they think about what they have. And they need to trust God instead of just trusting in that money. And, and he goes on and explains that even more. And the problem is, is that a lot of people... Okay, if, if your bank account is, is small, a lot of times we give ourselves a pass on greed. And, and we say, how can it be possible that I could be greedy when I'm barely making ends meet? And that's what I really want us to try and grasp and understand is that this sin is not just for wealthy people. And we need to be able to get beyond that. It's not about money or wealth. Greed is really about our desires. And, and those desires can be more than just about money, too. 
It can be about power. It can be about fame. It can be about so many different things. And yet it's those desires that are the problem. And to really test ourselves, to really understand whether we ever struggle with that, I've got to ask you this one simple question because it is the greatest test for greed. And that is, are you content where you're at right now? You see, because it is the answer to that question that will tell you whether this is a problem for you. Because when desires outweigh contentment, then greed has a home. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul talks about this. And you've got to realize he's writing to these people in prison. All right? And, and Paul, who had been very high in power, very wealthy, very high, now sits in prison. And he writes these words. And in, in verse 10, it just, I started there because otherwise it doesn't make sense to start halfway through. But it says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Now, look at what he says here. Not that I was ever in need, nor I have learned, for, sorry, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And that secret that he's talking about is to learn to be content. And, and the Greek philosopher Epicurus, he, he expressed it this way. He asked the question, what do you think that secret is to being happy and content? And this is what he said. Add not to a man's possessions, but take away from his desires. And that one line is a profound statement if we can really understand what that means. Because contentment comes by keeping our desires in check. And greed comes when we allow them to go unchecked. It's, it's really simple, but yet it's really, really hard to do. And again, in 1 Timothy, he writes this, True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, we will be content. Now let me flip that a little bit, because... You can take that last part of that verse and make it into a question and really ask yourself. Verse 8, so if we have enough food and clothing, will we be content? And when you stop and really ask yourself that question, you begin to realize what he's talking about there earlier. When he's talking about and just reminding us that we brought nothing into this world. And we can't take anything with us. And if we spend that whole life of ours worrying about those things, then we've lost. And we've allowed greed to control a lot of our lives. And he goes on in this verse and he says, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped 
by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people, craving money, have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now, normally, when we think about greed, we would look at that and say, okay, the key words there are rich, money, and lots more money. But yet, Paul says, no, the key words there are the longing to be rich, the love of money, and the craving for more money. Those are the key words. Those, those are the defining words of greed. Those are the things that, that help us understand that it isn't, if, if, if we've been blessed where we have lots of things and, and, and God has really uh, poured out that blessing on us and we have those things, it isn't, that's not the problem. The problem is if we have that longing for more, if we cannot be satisfied wherever we're at, whether it's a lot or little, that is the problem. And so I have to ask you, how do you do on that test? Are you content? If you knew for a fact that things were not going to improve for you financially for the next 30 years, How would you look at your future? Because the answer to that really has a lot to do with whether you are truly content. <laughs> now, I, I have to stop for a minute because I can read people's minds. And everybody's like, okay, so we're supposed to go live in grass huts and eat saltine crackers all day long, right? <laughs> right? No. No. That's not it at all. Because I believe that God has really placed inside of each one of us a desire for more. A desire to be better. A, a, a drive inside of us to, to reach a purpose, to find fulfillment in life. I believe God has ingrained that in each and, and every one of us. And a lot of times we allow circumstances to push that down. And we allow things that happen in our lives to, to rob us of pursuing those things. But here's the deal. So many times those desires that we have don't match up with the desires that God has. And that's the pitfall. When we pursue the things that are dangled in front of us, those are the things that lead us away from God instead of towards God. Because he thinks differently than us. And let me tell you, the quickest path to greed is to be able to sit around and focus all of our attention on other people and what they have. But the quickest way to contentment that I've found in my own life is to find someone who has less than me and be generous towards them. Because there's always those people around. I used to... <laughs> I used to go deliver newspapers to the, uh, a nursing home, and the nursing homes back when I was a kid were scary. I'm telling you, uh, they 
they had a lot of uh, mentally ill people that were there as well, and they just kind of put him in rooms, and uh, he had to go into this creaky, old, dark place and deliver newspapers, and, and they would all try and grab you, and as a kid, you think they're going to kill you, but they just really wanted some attention, you know, but I didn't know that, and, and, and it was, it was such, such a, a scary place, but, but I, there was one old lady there named Mrs. Bybee, and Mrs. Bybee always told me rather loudly because she couldn't hear that, you know what the secret in life is? And I'd say, no, I'd heard it a hundred times. But I said, no, what's the secret of life? Look around, there's always someone worse off than you. (laughs) And that stuck with me as a kid because she was right. And the greatest cure for greed really is that generosity. To, To give to someone who is less fortunate than, than you and I. And, and again, when we think about generosity, the trap is to fall into this thinking that it only has to do with money. So that generosity is giving uh, money to somebody else. But generosity goes way beyond our, our pocketbooks. In fact, when we talk about uh, generosity in the uh, terms of relationships... You can almost switch out generosity and love. You can switch those two words and use them uh, intermittently and still carry, carry the, same, the same meaning. And if you look at this, this story of Mrs. Doubtfire that, that we just watched, you know, it was really the generosity of Miranda, the mom, that allowed herself to be able to put her kids ahead of what she really wanted because she knew that they needed Daniel in their lives. It was generosity in her heart that allowed that to happen. She had the court on his side, on her side, and she knew it was something that only she could give to him. It had nothing to do with money. It was simply that she was giving him access to the kids. And isn't that what makes mom's love so special? Um, it's that spirit of generosity that moms have towards kids. And it's that spirit of generosity that we honor when we come to Mother's Day. And you know, you don't find a Hallmark card that says, Mom, Thanks for always making sure I got paid my allowance. You know, it's, it's not, we, we don't find that. And if they do have one of those, they probably don't sell a lot of them. Because when we talk about the praises of our moms, we're really talking about the little things, the kindness and the love that was shown in a lot of times little ways. It was something that, that mom did for you. That was an expressed act of, of love. It was that, that tender touch um, when you were hurt. It was that listening ear who, who always was willing to listen to the things that you thought were huge problems, but they weren't. 
And as a dad, I was always appreciative when mom listened to those things for my girls because I had a hard time listening and not rolling my eyes because I knew it wasn't the end of the world, but they thought it was. But it was that that taking that time just to listen. And, and it was that fierce loyalty that a mom has to back their kids. And <laughs> just this morning, I found out about that fierce loyalty. So, so for, for Mother's Day, I got on Facebook and I wished my uh, two daughters that have uh, children, I wished them Happy Mother's Day. And on my oldest daughters, her husband and I, always have this thing that we go back and forth all the time about how I just don't see what Nikki saw in him, you know, and we kind of joke about, about it all the time, and he, he does it too, so this morning I posted on her, happy Mother's Day, despite your husband, you have an amazing family, <laughs> and I knew that Matt would see that, and he would laugh and think, oh man, what a dude, and would probably come back with me at something like, yeah, you're right, but uh, so I get a private message from his mom, okay? <laughs> yeah, this morning I get a private message from Pat saying, hey, you better take that down because you may think it's funny, but I don't, all right? So I went in and edited it and uh, left Matt out of, the, out of the whole deal. But there's that fierce loyalty that, <laughs> that sometimes mom... Uh, show. And all those moments that took time and energy for a mom to do that, right? And it was probably time and energy that they really didn't have. But it was those moments that a lot of times you don't appreciate until you're older uh, that you suddenly realize that mom is pretty amazing. And I can get pretty emotional talking about moms because even at 58 years old, I miss my mom not being around. Because there's, there's that connection there that's brought on through that demonstration of kindness and love that she showed to me. She was one of the best over and over again. But I, but I also know that in a room this size that there are people who actually had the mom who was selfish, who was, you could say, greedy, who didn't care about them and didn't show that kind of love that, that we're talking about. But you know what I find that's really interesting when I talk to some of those people and I hear that hurt? The thing I think that's, so interesting is that they understand even though it hasn't been modeled to them they understand what it should be like they understand what love really looks like they understand what generosity should be even though they never experienced it And you know, if you and I are honest this morning, we all understand that true happiness comes in contentment and generosity. 
Those two things create a life that's happy. And it's when we get off those things and we become discontent that we become unhappy. When we become discontent, we're not generous because we have all these wants that we're pursuing. So I'm going to go ahead and call the band up and and they can go ahead and and get ready here. And we're we're going to close this out and kind of just wrap it up and and try and and land here because um, I just want us to, to step back for a minute into this movie that we watched of Mrs. Doubtfire. And I just really want us to to think for a minute about that scene where um, where Miranda and Daniel are talking about Mrs. Doubtfire like she's in the she's in this third person, you know, and and they say, uh, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire brought out the best in both of us. (laughs) And you know, when they talked about bringing out the best, what was it? It really was generosity. The generosity that Miranda showed to Daniel, but also the fact that when, when Daniel wasn't Mrs. Doubtfire. Before he became Mrs. Doubtfire, he was really this selfish, greedy guy. Immature, unable to keep a job, not providing for his family, really being a rotten husband. (laughs) And then he became Mrs. Doubtfire. And he gave. And he gave. And he went above and beyond to show his kids he loved them. And the movie ends at that scene where where she's standing there listening to Mrs. Doubtfire talk about family. And there's that little teaser because it lays out the possibility that maybe... Just maybe if that generosity continues, that maybe that family will get back together. But even if they didn't, did you catch the part that you'll be okay? Because greed went away and generosity came in. And despite the whole change in the family and the change in the dynamics, that made things livable. That made things possible. It allowed the space for love to come back into that family. This morning, I just want us to get real again for, for a moment and just ask ourselves, what What are those areas? What are those desires? What are those things that that you are hanging on to that gets in the way of your relationships? Because the amazing thing about greed is 
the, the longer you hang on to it, the harder it is to let go of those things. And I know in my own life, there, there have been things that, that I, I still want. <laughs> and, there, and there's things that I could give myself right now because I've been in a place where I could. But at the same time, I fight that because I want to be generous. I don't want to tie myself and strap myself down to the point where I can't be generous with my time and with my kids and with my family. So this morning, I just want you to close your eyes and bow your head and let's just pray and ask God to just show us those things in our lives that we need to to change. Father, my prayer this morning is um, that greed will become recognizable to each and every one of us that you'll just shine a light into those areas of our life that, that are outweighing, that are excessive desires, that are the things that, that we chase after and put so much time and energy into that we don't have time for what's really important. And God, I just pray that this morning you will just challenge us to see those things. Father, help us to have that spirit of contentment that only can come in you. And God, my prayer this morning is for that person who maybe has spent their whole life chasing after something that they want that will fulfill their life, that will make it feel like they have a purpose to live today. And I pray that they will find it in you right now that you are the giver of all things that are good, that, that you provide for us in so many ways. And God, just help us to be satisfied with where we are right now and be open to wherever you're going to take us. God, I just pray that today will be a day of change, that today will be a day that we can be new in you, And I pray it all in your son's name. Amen.